This is going to be an awesome pod. Hi, this is John Nelson. This is Jimmy Maurer. Hi, I'm Andre Zanoda, and you're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. The Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker Texas. In this episode, we're talking all things Texas Derby, prep for the next matchup in Minnesota, and we'll catch up on all the news that we've missed since the la- we last convened. I'm Dustin Nation, and joining us once again from his storm bunker, where he's soundproofed against tornado sirens, it's Jonathan Ross. How's it going, Jonathan? It's going good, Dustin. Um, I'm actually calling in from an alternate reality where Brian Acosta is the most consistent player for FC Dallas. Wow. I, I, you just blew my mind. It, 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 is, it, is, it is mind-blowing, but I think it might actually be true. Wow. How, I don't know how to handle that. Uh, I, I, th- I guess I'll start by going to one of the smartest guys I know, uh, joining us from the dugout of Globe Life Park, wiping up the disappointment of a North Texas SC home loss, is Nico Mendez. Yeah, um, it's a nice dugout, but I think I think Jonathan <laughs> is uh, on the many worlds interpretation when it comes to quantum mechanics. That's a, a different different uh, universe we're working in right here. <laughs> which one? Which Spider Man is it? I don't. Which Spider Man is it? Is it the girl Spider Man? I think I'm missing the reference. No, this is, oh. this is the cartoon Spider Man. Okay, the, sp- right. the, the Spider Verse. Yeah, yeah that's, that's not what we're talking about. No, no, all right, <laughs> <not sure>. no. <laughs> I also did not get the reference, Nico. I mean, I do. You know, not that I don't know what Spider Man is, but it's all right. Uh, well. Uh, <laughs> Let's start with some news and some other things that, besides my jokes, that may not be going over very well. Uh, it looks like the Columbus Crew might be rebranding. Jonathan, uh, I'm sorry, the who? Uh, the Crew, Columbus yeah. SC. The, yeah, the, the Crew, otherwise known as Columbus SC. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the big news over the weekend, and then uh, today we're recording on Monday. Is you know that they've officially announced now Columbus. Uh, that they're changing their name from Columbus Crew to Columbus SC, um, How but original. still, but still being known as the Crew. Oh, which is kind of uh, kind of interesting. I mean, uh, we'll see how prominent that is. But I don't. Know. I mean, I know they have a new ownership group who maybe wants to do some branding. But um, I'm of the opinion that man, they had a pretty nice brand, uh, and I think that we've, we've kind of got enough. Uh, you know, city insert FC or SC at the end. Yep. Um, or at the beginning, you know, if you're in the case of Dallas. That would be like FC Dallas saying, we're, we're dropping the burn. We're, we're going to be F- FC Dallas, but we're going to be known as the burn. There we go. Actually, it's, that I, wouldn't have been terrible. That, that wouldn't, that, that, that wouldn't <laughs> have been better than, that would have been better than, you know, just going to FC Dallas. But it's, it feels kind of an unnecessary. I know that they've got the new stadium, the new ownership groups. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I like their branding. I think the, the crew's cool. I like their colors. Um, I've always liked the little, uh, checkered yellow, yellow and black flag. I think it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's got a, they've got a pretty nice unique branding that's, that's going on already. Um, it's, it's kind of, to me, it's a, it's a disappointing move. We'll see uh, what the, what the fan reaction is. I'm sure the social media is already very negative. Imagine that. Yep. Uh, lots, either lots one of you people... guys have any, yeah. 
I think I'm in the camp with the lots of other people that are disappointed that like there's a little bit of a loss of the American like sports uniqueness that from MLS and it's kind of going back. Like I, at first when I when I first became a soccer fan and all I knew was the Euro, I thought that was I thought, like DC United. I loved because it was United, uh, and at, the more I grew to learn about MLS, the more I appreciated just kind of the the uniqueness of some of the like the the whiz right like that i loved that after after some time uh following the league uh and i i'm i'm mourning its loss uh, me as well i don't know if i'm i'll mourn or not but it is it's quite interesting so it's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> okay maybe that was strong <laughs> yeah save we're uh so that save the crew will live again it'll just mean something else now as for yeah. madison of USL League One and North Texas SC's El Plastico Derby rival, uh, they said Ford Madison, no need for rebrand. So <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it just bothersome when you uh, go back to your older FIFA versions and then you see, oh yeah, the crew had you know the three men with the hard hats, and then it became the other shield, and now it's this vertical Captain America shield with an so- C on it. <laughs> it's supposed to be the shape of the Ohio flag up and down and then whatever that C is. So, yeah, I don't think Twitter saw it like that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah I think, I think, um, <laughs> yeah, well, it, let's, I, ahead, you have- so as far as the, the actual, their, their new badge or icon or whatever, it's, it's better than what Chicago rolled out. I think this is true. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll give them <laughs> that, but it just, it feels, feels unnecessary for sure. Yep. Uh, I think. But we'll, go ahead. I was just gonna. I was gonna move move away from the 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 crew. I think there's when we move a little bit closer to home where we're you know FC Dallas. Uh, Nothing like unique. a Texas soccer podcast talking about the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so there's a, a couple of updates. Uh, last week we talked about uh, Brisson, uh The the news that came out during the TV broadcast last weekend that. Uh, Brisson was going to be going away for a green card. It looks like that still is going to happen. It's just going to be likely later in either June or early July. Um, so, it, I mean, it's it's good. Got him the opportunity to, to to play again. We'll talk about his play, I'm sure, during the game recap. Um, and gave uh, Hedges another week off. So, I think that's still going to happen. We'll free up an international spot. I think we did talk a little bit about why... Um, why FC Dallas was picking up an international spot when they knew that Brisson was going to go away to get his green card to free one up. Uh, We contemplated it on the pod last week that some of that was just timing because you never know how long that green card situation or or, uh, process will take. And then here we are finding out that, yes, it's going to take another month or so. So uh, it makes a little bit more sense now why FC Dallas went out and purchased that international spot potentially to use for a new number six. Uh, there have been a couple of rumors uh, that have that have floated around, around uh, a, a number six from Argentina who plays for their uh, uh, their first tier. I'm going to murder the name, but it's a Facundo Quignon. Um, he's 28 year, years old. Uh, I don't know a lot about him. His transfer market shows his transfer value is a little bit over $2 million, which seems a bit rich um, for the hunts, but... Uh, Nico, I know when you, when you're kind of reading a little bit on it, you know, you, you know, 
one of the things that popped out to you was the source of the rumor added a little bit more credence than if it was just something on Twitter. You know, did you have any any quick thoughts on it? Uh, I, I mean, um, I think it's kind of cool that Aldeo was the one that has this nice article posted on their website. Um, I think it just kind of all ties in. If I'm going to hyper-analyze this like I'm in English class, um, I think it ties in really well with uh, FC Dallas trying to increase their Spanish presence. I'm not saying FC Dallas leaked it to them or anything, but uh, that's kind of cool. Um, most interestingly, he's coming from an Argentine club, Lanús. So um, regular Copa Libertadores contenders within South America, so it's not a club to snuff at. But I think the price tag will kind of have a bunch of people um, really wondering if uh, there's any credence or if FC Dallas is actually going to pull the trigger on it. Yeah, just just thinking about the the fact that you know Santos, who was a known commodity, uh, moves away for uh, you know I think one point two, one point five million somewhere in there. Um, if FC Dallas was to turn around and spend you know over two to transfer somebody in, I think that definitely raised questions. Yes, he's a, a couple years younger, um, but I don't know if that means it's worth double the rate from a from a transfer fee perspective. Uh, I think it's one just to keep an eye on. Uh, we're going to probably see continue to see rumors through uh, the end of this window, which ends uh, on uh, what, June 1st, right? Yep. On June 1st. So I think there's there's a, a few more weeks if FC Dallas is going to make a move that they're going to have to. If they do go out and get a new six, that's four players, including Munjoma, that weren't on the team last season uh, in, in the 11. That's That's a lot of turnover. <laughs> that that is a lot of turnover. I, I agree, Dustin. It's already a lot of turnover, even with, even without that. But yep. if, if you count, uh, if if Felipe Felipe stays in the uh, in the lineup, who knows? I don't think he'll stay in the lineup. I'm s- sorry, it's already four, isn't it? So yeah. we've got just just starting right now. It's already four, isn't it? So we've got uh, Martinez. Oh, uh, Martinez! I completely forgot about him. Yes, I think it's so yeah. It's so it back is four, yeah, and then plus Munjoma, plus yeah, Munjoma, and then the yeah. two wingers. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that would be a lot of turnover. Uh, I'm not sure I'm okay with that, but I'm also not sure I'm not. I'm not sure I'm okay with not having a, a you know, a number six, a solid number six. So we'll we'll see. Uh, one thing that we did see was uh, a new player come on. So so Sean did arrive. He was in practice last week. Um, I saw him out there on Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday, he was just kind of on the sidelines watching. Uh, Thursday was his first uh, uh, foray into full full training with, uh, with the club. Um, so, you know, he got a, a whole two days of training before making his debut. I think for many of us, uh, and I, we'll get into that when we get to the game, I think many of us were very surprised to see uh, him not only make the the bench, but actually make it into uh, the or on, onto the field, especially when it's a one-one draw, uh, and you know, obviously, an important game for FC Dallas to to win both because it's Derby and it's you know, it's it's a team in the in the case of Houston where they're likely going to be one of the ones competing for some of those you know coveted. Uh, playoff spots yeah, we're you know, with FC Dallas at the bottom of the of the playoff tier within the Western Conference. So I don't I don't know if we want to talk about that now, guys, or, or hold off until uh, we get into the the actual match. But 
Yeah, we'll, we'll hold off on on his play, but I, I think I'll. We'll, I'm okay with leaving it at like that. That shows that either um, he's highly thought of coming into the match, or he really impressed in those two days that they had of training uh, for Lucci to kind of just throw him on there and, and trust him in the last you know 30, 40 minutes of the match. Oh, 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 for sure. Because the, I mean, he had Seeley, right? Who he has pulled a few times. And yes, Seeley did play, right? But um, Sean came on, I think, 20 minutes before Seeley ever did. So uh, it definitely, it, it sent a message of some sort uh, from, from Lucci. So it was, was, was very interesting. Um, and yeah, we'll, I think we'll get into to his play during the, the match conversation. The one other quick piece of news, guys, I wanted to, to hit on before. Uh, just we saw the official announcement. Dan Hunt had had talked about it before um, in the in the season opening press conference or kind of get together with the, with the media. He did mention that they were planning on starting to increase attendance in the middle of June. I think now FC Dallas has officially announced that I think it's the June seventeenth match uh, that they are going to move to. I think what they say, close to 100% attendance. Uh, they're going to reopen most of those front rows um, and move season ticket members back to their original spots. So uh, I think great news for STMs, and hopefully it means that uh, we'll start to pack in more than the 86, 8700 that have been there. Uh, and while those people are there, uh, they will also be uh, – optional uh masks so the other thing that, that came out last week was mls uh, made an announcement that they're going to allow clubs to follow their own local protocols their state you know from their city state whatever local jurisdiction um, as opposed to having a an mls mandated one which uh, to me i'm not going to get into whether or not fans should be wearing masks but to me i think that makes sense that the mls is allowing uh the the local teams areas to to define the rules right uh because it's it's going to be different by from city to city um and in the mls from country to country right so i don't, I don't think there's any point in having two sets of rules uh, across all those all those teams and all those games no i'm there with you jonathan I, I think that um there's gonna be a lot of folks that are are happy to see things go back to normal more normalish um you know and there's uh, I think you you hit the nail on the head with allowing the the local localities to kind of follow the the guidelines that are, are local, just because you never know. Like every every place is going to be different. Every every city that hosts an MLS team has different population density and a different COVID situation. So, um, I think the 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 non heavy handedness there, in my opinion, is, is a good thing. So. All right. Uh, well, that's that was a lot of things that we that went on this week. It was a busy week. Um, but the the big thing that we're all here to talk about is the Texas Derby match against FC Dallas and Houston uh, ended in a one one draw. Nico, you want to walk us through that game? Yeah. Um, uh, just, I was able to actually take in the game from the stands, so it was a pretty nice before heading up north. Um, so the atmosphere was really great. Uh, credit to both the Beer Guardian and El Matador for creating a uh, wonderful atmosphere. That was really cool to uh, hear that again. Um, uh, and it kind of that at, en- energy and atmosphere carried onto the field, uh, especially in the first half. Uh, both getting both sides getting really into it. 
Um, Dallas coming with some good early goal scoring opportunities, uh, some nice crosses out just from the wing and a little bit centrally into the box. Um, Dallas wasn't able to convert on it too quickly, um, but it was Houston that got the first strike kind of off of a handball call off of Brisson and uh, Fafa Picot scores the penalty. So, um, And if I remember from reading on Twitter, uh, I wish I remembered the individual that tweeted it out, but I th- they were saying that Fafa is the first player to have both played for both teams and scored. So, and he did it in consecutive matches. In consecutive matches, yeah. So, yeah, they they mentioned it on the, um, I guess the English version of the, of the broadcast. I think. Mm-hmm. So, um, kind of from just knowing Fafa, uh, I think we all can say that we're just happy for, to see that he's doing well. He was a super f- professional and super friendly guy. So, um, then after that, uh, Obrian scored uh, in consecutive home matches after a. Andres Pricaute, uh kind of service into a ball. It was initially a dead ball situation that kind of got rebounded back out to him and uh, played it out wide to Acosta, who then played it across the box for Obreon to score the goal. And then, yeah, I mean, and then the second half, and then the second half, and then the final whistle, <laughs> and That's... that was one one. <laughs> That's kind of how it felt to me, for sure. Um, yeah, let's let's hold off on talking about the second half, and let's, there's a lot more to talk about that first half. And uh, th- I think the 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 thing coming into the match is like what what changes would we see to the roster uh, from that that win against Portland? And really, Lucci kind of ran with the with the team that he had, and the only change we saw was Hara coming back into the lineup. Uh, up top instead of Ricardo Pepe. Um, re, re, Nico, last last uh, podcast, you mentioned that that it, you didn't think it necessarily was a Hara or Pepe thing, that it was more about the service to them. Were you okay with, with Hara coming back into the side? Uh, I think I kind of still stand by that a little bit. Um, there was more service, but then you kind of get into, well, I mean, was the player in position? And to to be fair, Har's drawn a lot of criticism kind of early on. You know, DP, million-dollar salary player. He was in I felt like he was in position at some points. And then there was others where it's like, well, uh, you drew question marks. and But then it kind of comes down to, well, how is the team playing, right? Um, it still seems like the front line is kind of trying to get together. But... Uh, Dustin, you asked me about the horror situation. Um, I don't know. I, I still feel like it's the the quality of service is um, still kind of lagging behind uh, for what fans and uh, what this team is used to and what the team would like to produce. That's the story of FC Dallas, isn't it? The the last uh, two or three seasons, maybe it's even even longer. Is the that finishing touch right it's, it's that 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 last that that actual shot right putting it uh on goal beating the keeper i mean that seems to be the the issue that continues to plague them is, is that what it takes to score a that, goal that yes yeah, usually when you want to shoot like where the keeper is not and make sure you put it on uh on frame these are these are 
Pro tips words, words of words of wisdom. Yeah. That's right. I, I, I learned these from <laughs> from uh, from Kenny Cooper. You know, on a little one on one training. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I did see an interesting stat though. So uh, FC Dallas is has had thirty seven of their forty three shots from inside the box, which is eighty six percent of their shots in the first four games. Uh, the league average is sixty five percent. So they're getting in the box, which is great. Which is something honestly we didn't see was a problem last year. It was too many shots outside the box. So they're at least getting the shots in the in the box. It's just not turning into a lot of points. So you know, to me, that's that's a good step, right? So if we continue to see them making the right runs, getting in the right positions, you would think the law of averages at some point will even out and FC Dallas will, you know, start to convert more of those. We hope. Maybe. Well, so eighty three percent of how many Jonathan, because it's it's eighty eighty six percent of their shots. So it's thirty seven of the forty three shots were taken from thirty seven of forty. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, I think I think uh, I want to circle back to that question I asked Nico and the kind of the lead up with uh, the thing that he stands by with the service. Um, I I don't think it's. I think you're right, Nico. I don't think it's just the Ahara issue. Uh, I think it's a frontline issue and a, and a connectivity issue. Um, I, I, I posted the, uh, the touches of, of our, of the FC Dallas front three of Vargas, Hara and Obreon versus the, the front line of Houston's touches of, uh, Fafa, Maxi and Memo Rodriguez. And it was 80 something to 120 something, um, in, in Houston's favor. And if you look at the heat map of where they got those touches, it was much, much higher up the field than where FC Dallas's forwards were getting touches. Um, and I think that's, it's, it is a anecdotal, uh, indicator of a systemic problem, (laughs) um, where like you can look at any match and you can have excuses for it, but the trend, it's a trend at this point. Um, and if you don't have your strikers, you know, up the field and your, your forwards up the field, then how, how are they going to score goals? And I think that in, in this match, Houston did a really good job of shutting down a lot of the ones and twos up the sidelines as FCDL Dallas tried to get that continuity into the final third. Um, and especially, you know, as the, the match wore on that those outside channels were kind of shut down and, and be kind of uh, forced FC Dallas to play through the middle which they didn't seem like they were super comfortable with. No, and uh, I mean, just think first the, the first part you're talking about, Dustin, the positioning of the team. I think part of that also is the way that Lucci's having them play. Yeah. Um, so you'll see, especially whoever, whoever's playing centrally will fall back. And one, one thing that I noticed a lot in the match on Saturday was the fluidity across the front line. And it wasn't just... Um, you know, the wing swapping, but you, you would see uh, Vargas pop up in the center of the field quite a bit too. And so it, coming back, getting the ball and then, and then making runs. Uh, and, and I think one of the, one of the things that Hara does well actually is hold up play, right. Is coming back, holding up the ball and then, and then moving forward. He's a much better, I would say connector instigator than, than Pepe is honestly. Um, whether or not that's you know that's turning into goals, obviously we didn't see that in in this match, which is the 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 final way you grade the the team. But I do think part of that positioning is 
because of the way that Lucci's having those those three play, um, and the, the interchangeability and just kind of the, the strengths of of those players. No, that's fair. Um, I just, I'm not. But is it is it? But then, okay. Then the the question is: Is it working? Um, and is is that the way he's having them play like that? Is it producing the amount of chances and the the opportunities that you would want? He would say yes. I think a lot of fans would say eh, maybe yes. Sometimes. Yeah, I, th- I think in the first half, honestly, there was there was a number of good opportunities that were squandered. Right. Um, yeah. The Hara, the Hara miss. The the the, 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 the the Hara miss. The the Vargas. I'm going to call it fumble. Right, where he kind of ended. It was indecisive in the box, um, yeah, and the, the defender came back and basically just stole the ball from behind him, right? Um, and I think there was one other one that was that was very similar. That just I think it was in in all cases, just everything was just a little bit off. Um, and that's like I said, that's been FC Alice's story for the last few years. So that it's it's new new players playing the part, but the the, the same storyline. Uh, I do think, though, because they're getting better positioning, hopefully hopefully that one will straighten itself out. Um, the The person you asked about was uh, was was Hara, and I do think when we, in practice I saw him and Pepe switching out. I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see that happen. The one that I, I would actually want to get your guys' thoughts on the most is uh, is is Vargas. Um, what are you guys thinking of his play? Now we're we're, we're four games in. Uh, I think that I mean, we were all very excited from preseason play. Uh, Dustin, what are what are your uh, what are your thoughts on 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 Vargas? Kind of four games in now that you've kind of got to see a little bit more of um, his playing style and what he's bringing to the match. I, I think that he continues to have a tremendous upside. The like I, I think that if he can get some rhythm and get accustomed to the pace of play and the physicality that he will um he has the oppor- he has the potential to to be very good and um look like he did in the preseason in the actual season. But in the first four games we have not seen that. Um we've seen uh him continue to to you know always to take an extra dribble and then lose the ball or um you know just the, the, his propensity to try things is there but they're the frequency in which they come off is is not is not good nico are you in the same boat yeah i think you hit it right on um kind of i think we all feel the fact that fc dallas faced um weaker competition within preseason right um, and kind of something that really stuck out about uh, Vargas's game within preseason is his ability to take on defenders one-on-one, right? He seemed really comfortable uh, dribbling around defenders, uh, trying to find his way into the box uh, in that regard. Um, and now we're within the season and teams have better defenses, right? They're playing their, their better uh, back lines. Um, so, yeah, they... That 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 part is kind of failing him. I guess you could argue, really, one of his his what makes his game uh, his game is his ability to take on defenders. But kind of also, I also feel like some of it is um, 
there, there's kind of a lag between just individual players and then the rest of the team, which is something we just finished talking about. It's how the attack is coming together and everything molding. Um, but uh, usually when Vargas tries to... He's trying to hold up the ball to wait for the rest of his team to come in, right? Like uh, we were saying, Haras grabs the ball kind of deeper within the midfield and runs up, right? And Obreon's either helping with the press whenever we first get the ball and then try to then run into the box. So by then, Vargas is kind of by himself. So it's a little bit easier for the opposition just to kind of, well, I mean, Vargas is on the wing. Let's just put multiple people at him. And by then, it's not a harp on Vargas or anything, but um, it's kind of hard to take on five defenders or six defenders by yourself at that point. But, and that's um, kind of what I was talking about earlier when when I was saying that they kind of figured out the the how to stop the wing progression. That's 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 exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, the teams now have some some tape on him and the scouting report too, right? And so I think they they'll also be able to prepare better for him. One of the things that statistically jumped out to me. So this is when when Vargas first came in. Uh, you know, he came from Venezuela in uh, first division. Uh, and he had 78 appearances, which is, you know, a ton of appearances for uh, a kid that's, what, 20? Is he 20? Somewhere, somewhere around there. But, I, the, uh, <laughs> but he's, in those 78 appearances, he had five goals and four assists, right? And so he's he's got a lot of talent. You see it, right? Um, but I know at least, you know, for, for his Venezuelan He's 22, right? For for his Venezuelan uh, team, right? He's had a, a ton of of experience, right? But also wasn't really scoring scoring a lot. I mean, if you think about you know five goals across 78 appearances um, for a position that's you know heavily offensive, right? That's not a, a huge um, amount of uh, of scoring, right? So uh, it. TBD, I think that you know we're we're all excited with the way he plays. Uh, right now, it's about how long is he going to continue to start. Yep, there are two other options there now. There, there are two other options. Actually, what, what are what are your? Well, I mean, there's more than two, but well, who, think that, who do you think your leading contender is to to get that spot? Uh, Shun and, and Paxton. Yeah, yeah, those are, um, those would be the two I would think as well. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you this. Do you see a world in which Lucci moves um, Vargas into the center midfield position that he also had him play during the during the preseason? Man, that's it's such a stacked central midfield all, already. Um, and you got Cervania, who's about to come back off of loan. I know he's been playing. Well, he's a right, right back now. He's been playing <laughs> right back. He's been, doesn't doesn't mean he is a right back. He's been, he's been playing right back, and then obviously, you know, we've got people like like Thomas Roberts, who um, you know still hasn't seen the field, right? So uh, I would I would hope that you would see see Thomas or even Paxton in that midfield before they start moving uh, Vargas to take that spot. Nico. Uh, I don't know. Did, what are what are your your thoughts on you know how, how Vargas is done or or who you think is going to potentially you know take that that starting spot from left wing or do you think it's still Vargas's to to own? Uh, I think I think Vargas has kind of demonstrated thus far that he's kind of the best man for that position. Um, I know that like like you were saying, Jonathan earlier, that the story with FC Dallas is always just. Just the attack, that last final touch. And um, 
It's, what, what are we doing? We've spent, what, maybe 10, 15 minutes just d- talking about this uh, attack um, and that final touch. Um, but we briefly touched on it. Um, in the first half, there was those chances. There was those opportunities. Um, and I know that it's a new team and everything's trying to gel together. But in this game, to me, it looked a bit more of just like individual uh, situations rather than kind of systemic situations, right? We talked about those individual misses. Uh, just either didn't give the pass soon enough or took an extra touch. Um, but we'll probably get to this later when we talk about the second half. But um, in that regard, I think there is that's some improvement. Um, I'm still going to, for me, peg it down to it's just new players coming together, trying to figure out everything, um, especially with the wings, right? Uh, everyone else around them is a, more familiar with the Lucci system, how Lucci wants to play. But um, I think not too much <laughs> cause for concern for Vargas in that regard. I think he has the skill set and the ability to be able to adapt uh, to this league. And I, I st- think he can be kind of one of the bright spots for the team over the course of the season. Yeah, he'll just need some, I think he just needs some time. Um, I, I don't know how much time he'll he'll have. Um, I, I do think it's still his for the time being at least. Um, but it is another year and another question mark at the left wing spot. Um, seems to be the MO for Dal- the other MO, I guess one, one would be the attack. The other would be like just the left wing spot in general. <laughs> well, the, the good news is uh, Lucci has a long list of players that he can at least trot out um, in that position this year. And, and hopefully one of those is going to uh, going to pay off. I still think Vargas has a, has a, a couple of weeks. I think that, uh, it's it's likely if, if Paxton's you know not fully ready to start, I think it's still still Vargas's uh, to to win or to lose. Now another another spot that I think that we've uh, there's been a little bit of changes up on is moving all the way to the back. Um, I'm gonna have to throw this to Nico as the Brisson uh, the Brisson stand. The the the, the Brisson stand. Uh, well, first of all, Nico, uh, was that handball a correct call? Um, I never got to really look at it oh. in terms of the broadcast, but uh, it happened so quick that I kind of missed it. Um, so it, it was really yeah, kind of defer to the referee it, on that one. It was definitely a definitely a handball. I have no idea what uh, what Brisson was doing. His bo- both hands were pointing outward when he touched that ball. Yeah, he looked kind of like a zombie. <laughs> it, it, Exactly. So, uh, so the Brisson stand. So first of all, how was outside of the, the handball? How do you think his performance was? And then I guess the big question, Nico is, um, do we think he starts again next week? Uh, Comparison to the first three games, it was his worst one. Uh, this is probably the Brisson that people are familiar with, right? (laughs) Per se. Um, so it definitely wasn't one of his best games. Matt was on the bench. Um, there was, you know, technically an opportunity for Lucci to bring him in if that's the direction Lucci wanted to go. Didn't opt for it. But um, but it's, it's kind of what the club and as a fan you would want, right? You want competition amongst your different positions, right? Um, and I think FC Dallas is fortunate in that regard to have three quality center backs if they opt to go just for the two. Um, I think many probably would prefer just to have uh, four in the back instead of the three slash five. But um, 
Yeah, not Brisson's best game. Um, I would actually say Jose Martinez was probably the standout defender in that regard. Um, I don't know if we're going to get into this, but I will say this, that uh, in ter- in comparison to preseason, Martinez hasn't gotten a lot of uh, chatter amongst the media. And I kind of think that's a good thing, right? Um, he got a lot of attention just because he's the new guy filling in Reto's shoes. How is he going to play with Matt and the rest of the team? Um, but he's been quietly consistent. He's been uh, pretty solid uh, amongst the back line. You kind of see the vision that he has and the desire to play the ball long, um, which was pretty evident throughout this game, uh, especially in the first half when things were going well, second half, not so much. But um, I know that a lot of people are saying Acosta was the man of the match, um, but I personally felt like Jose Martinez was kind of uh, the man of the match for me. Like a, a dark horse, a quiet contender. Yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be an interesting question and, and a good problem for for Lucci to have of whether or not you know Hedges takes the place of Brisson. I, I would uh, like to your point. I wouldn't be surprised if Brisson has a good week in training to see that three man line come back. Um, just because you know he he did say that he wanted to um, get the, the the best players on the field, and that's one way to do it. And if I think it really depends on how Brisson's week at training goes because you're right. It was a little bit of a letdown from his previous performances, but I don't know that it, besides if you take the handball out of the situation, I'm not sure it was enough of a letdown um, to warrant not playing unless like, but I mean, it's Matt Hedges. Right. Right. So he has that statue coming he does. The training field, the, as he said, he goes, yeah, <laughs> He does, and I think he Matt, just doesn't want his, his statue next to the naked guy, up, naked upside down guy. No, I think the, they're gonna they're gonna put it in the uh, the old beer garden. Just it's just gonna be him you know, in in the middle, just a giant Matt Hedges statue. <laughs> uh, so I mean, yeah, Hedges we know is 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 getting close. Uh, I had an opportunity to see him in, in practice. He was officially off of the injured list as well. Um, I know that I think I think somebody from the the. Dallas Soccer Show will hopefully get out to practice this week and be able to send out a report for uh, for our, our our listeners. If you want to see it on Twitter, um, I, I think that you know we'll have to keep an eye on. I do think that there is a chance that this gives you know Lucci a reason to to make that switch um, back from Brisson to Hedges. But I think overall Brisson still had a pretty good game. Right, it just wasn't maybe up to the level where he was the last couple of matches where. You know, I think I would say in the in the match prior, he he may have been the best player on the field. So uh, it's 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 a pretty pretty high bar to set. So I agreed with you guys. I think yet yeah, step down. We'll 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 see how they do in practice. Uh, I'm I'm hoping uh, that you know, Lucci continues with the four man back line. Uh, I'd be kind of surprised if he moved away from that, but uh, it will be uh, an away match. Um, and I know we'll get into it later. So. Uh, sometimes Lucci likes to to pull out those uh, more defensive formations when uh, he moves to uh, uh, moves away from the Toyota Stadium. Indeed, we shall see. Uh, one one other, I think, before we officially get into the second half and talk about some of the occurrences or non-occurrences, I guess just thinking about the kind of the other area, the midfield, anything or other area of the field, anything from the midfield jump out at either one of you guys, as far as the, the three starters. 
Uh, I mean, we already talked about Acosta. Um, I mean, he he was solid. Um, you know, bes- I'm not gonna lie. I can't remember who bes- who besides Ricarte was playing. Uh, was it Tessman? It was it was it was, it was yeah. Tessman, and I would. S- I, I think yeah. that might say something about that performance. <laughs> But, but um, well, there's not, not necessarily a, there's nothing wrong. I mean, if you're if Tessman's truly playing a six, right? Kind of like kind of like Martinez, right? The the if you're a, if you're a defensive first player, not being noticed is not necessarily a bad thing. Yep. No, you're right. <laughs> um, I do personally think that this is probably one of Tessman's worst performances. Uh, it wasn't bad, uh, but I think that I saw maybe the first opening where. Uh, you know, maybe there are opportunities for somebody else to take that that midfield spot. Maybe not immediately, right? But uh, you know, maybe Tessman doesn't have that that third starting spot for the midfield lockdown. Yeah, I think that that performance from him was kind of on par. Like, so I okay, let me take that back. Uh, I think that San Jose wasn't was another match that he struggled. Um, this one. I think there's it's part partly that um he, he what you said about not wanting to really notice your six because that means they're doing their job um and and snuffing out problems before they even happen. I think there's also some some elements that the, the match kind of just over overwhelmed him, kind of passed him by a little bit. No, I mean I'm not going to go out and say that it was a, a bad performance by Tessman, but I think you're right. I think that it's it's interesting that um, there's a couple matches in a row where we've said where we haven't said, "Oh man, look at that that skill move that Tessman did." I guess he Port, Portland was a good one for him, but San Jose and, and this one just kind of like I guess on that roller coaster ride of ups and downs of young young players. And I think that's that's the key. He's he's still a very young, inexperienced player for for FC Dallas, and and so I, I think some of that's expected. Um, and I think that you know he'll continue to get better with that. I, and I think for that reason, Lucci will probably continue to leave him out there, right? Because I don't I don't think anything was necessarily wrong with his game. I think yeah. it's just he he needs to grow. And then honestly, the the two guys that he's partnered with in the midfield are both you know highly experienced veterans with Ricarte and, and Acosta. So um, you would expect that there should be right a little bit of a, of a drop off when you move on to, to Tessman. The, the, yeah, yeah. The other thing I wanted to touch on about the midfield is Ricarte. That's two minute, two matches in a row where he's gone 90. And I'm trying to remember the last match before that, where, where he had gone 90 Um and I couldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe I just have a bad memory, but it's good to see you know one of your most dynamic players on the field in any given moment getting ninety. Um, and what I noticed about that match is in the eighty fifth, eighty seventh minute, who was leading the press um, against Houston? It was Ricarte was was pressuring the goalkeeper and causing them to have make mistakes that late in the match. Um, so that, you know that's really good to see, and I'm. I, I hope that he can uh, continue to play full matches and, and be dangerous the entire time. So just to answer that, Dustin, uh, last 90 performance by Ricaurte was 
the Seattle playoff game. And if you're not interested in terms of playoff, it would have been the last game, uh, last regular season game against Minnesota in that three zero loss. Okay, so relatively recently, towards the end of the, the season, the yeah, season. he's been in there pretty consistently in terms of length of minutes. Okay, but so this, just this season, yeah, hadn't got it, but uh, apparently my memory is not longer than than the off season. <laughs> I just had a couple of other quick points that guys from a personnel perspective uh, and you guys feel, feel free to pile on. Um, one was, I think when did fine, uh, I think still continued to play primarily defensively. That's fine. Uh, we, we would expect that. I'm sure, I'm sure he's been coached by Lucci to do that. Uh, we, we did see Houston did pick on him a bit more than what we saw Portland do. I think they, they definitely were trying to take advantage of him with Fafa, especially. Uh, but I think, you know, overall he did well against a very tricky fast player. Um, I mean, there was a, a couple of times where he was broken down. He's he he's not, you know, as strong of a defender as as Johnny was, or honestly, probably even Reynolds. Uh, but Reynolds had the had more experience at this point, right? So I think we're continuing to see progress there. And then I did just wanted to give out uh, a, a shout out. I know I, I, I mentioned it in the open about Acosta. The, I mean, it's the consistency that we've seen from him. Uh, I mean, this was probably his best game. Uh, his passing efficiency was fantastic. He's been doing very well from a dribbling and from a defensive perspective. Um, and to me, the, the, the reason why for, he was my man of the match uh, was that one play where uh, it was – was it Maxi that broke away on a basically one on one of the keeper and uh, and and he he caught up to the caught up to the play and basically cut off the angle right where uh, not that who knows what Maxi would have done with that ball anyways but uh, where he didn't have a whole lot of options but to 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 shoot it at the keeper right and so I mean that that play right there I think kind of saved a goal right for uh, uh, for FC Dallas and you know, it's. It was it was it was great to see, and hopefully, uh, knock on wood, we'll continue to see that kind of play from uh, from Acosta going forward. Building on on that, I don't know about you guys, but when that was happening in lifetime, I thought Acosta was going to go for the professional foul. So um, I don't know if that how you want to how you want to take that. That could have also just been me, but I think that speaks volumes of just his um, maturity as a player growing as well. I, I think he handled that defensive situation really well and kind of. Eased maybe probably any nerves that Felipe Felipe Felipa might have had at a, as the goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, All right. I, I think that was my play of the game too. I'm a, I'm a big sucker for that type of hustle play. I remember um, was it Jesus Freira had that tackle uh, mm-hmm. two seasons ago where he did, basically did the same thing and and then slide did a sliding tackle and basically saved a one on one. Like those, I love those plays. Uh, I, those are the ones I'm here for. I'll take, now, uh, those are just as exciting to me as like some fancy goal. All right. So now that we've talked about all the excitement in the match, the second half, Dustin, <laughs> you want to, what are your, what were your, uh, your, your second half uh, highlights? Uh, it was, it was an odd second half to watch, I, I think. And it, well, you have to wonder how much the heat had to do with it. You know, it's, it's not scorching, but still it's, it's the first hot game of the year. It's in the afternoon. It was humid. Um, and you have to wonder how much that, that played into the, what you saw in that second half, but there was definitely a, a letdown in intensity. It felt like as the game wore on, um, 
it, and it's weird to see in, in a Derby, uh, Derby match. Um, it didn't seem there was, there were some, like an occasional, uh, half chance or two, but it really felt like neither team really wanted to like go all out and win. Um, and, and really poor numbers forward. Um, but you know, I, I, that's not to be, that's to be expected from Houston since they're the visiting team. Um, I, I just, it was just odd to me and, I don't know if they have a better way of explaining explaining that second half than just odd. Yeah. I mean, overall, there was, you know, one or two kind of big plays, which for a whole half of soccer um, isn't a lot. I think one we just touched on was the the uh, the, the maxi breakaway that Acosta kind of uh, stalled. I think that was in the second half. I think there was uh, one... Uh, Nice save from Felipe in the 62nd minute uh, where there was kind of a, I think it was a set piece. Um, and the the shot was kind of a cutter across the grass and Felipe had to kind of dive to the left, I think, to to save it. Um, and then probably, the, yeah. The the FC Dallas chances were both offsides uh, by Obreon where he um, got behind the, the defense and then but was offsides. Yeah, that so wouldn't old. count it anyway. Yeah, that through ball from from uh, Hollingshead that it was that was that was that was a pretty play. Didn't get yeah, didn't get uh, finished. The got kind of, the ball got stolen away when uh, Hadera tried to make I think one too many moves in the box. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think it would have been called back. Yep. So I mean, pretty uneventful. Um, it. I, I hope that the next match has a little bit more intensity throughout the match. Um, just, just like the next Derby match, and just because from a fan's perspective, I mean, you just like, you just want to see, you just want to see the players, uh, you know, go all out for the Jersey, uh, the, the, the badge, but isn't it always, it seems like the, I'd have to actually go back and look at the, the scores from all the Derby games recently with, with Houston, but it feels like they're almost always either ties or blowouts. It's like it's it's, it's either four one or zero zero or one one or something <laughs> like that. But it just it feels that way. I had to go back and, and look at the the history. Uh, the one other thing I think that popped up was the substitution surprise. Dustin, I have a little bit of uh, an understanding of your thoughts, so I'm not going to ask you, Nico. What did you think of the uh, sudden appearance? I think in the, like around the 60th minute of our new favorite Hungarian winger for FC Dallas. Oh, before that, I'm I'm actually a little bit curious to see, uh, in terms of the intensity, what it's like across all of FC Dallas's supposed two thirty start times. I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't know if there's a trend with also just the start time, as well. You thinking that they don't like like they just it's hard to get up and stay up for that uh, early start time. I'm yeah. I'm curious to see how because it was also oddly windy as well and not mm-hmm. just the wind in one direction but it kept switching um and that was kind of something you saw eddie struggle a little bit with those long balls um typically he's pretty good with his first touch deep in the field but that was kind of something not just him but everyone was really struggling with but um uh Jonathan the, San, the san jose <laughs> match was an early match yeah it was it was uh, there we go, pro- there point, go. Proven. point proven point proven right 
100% of the early matches played this year resulted in only one point for FC Dallas. <laughs> well, Jonathan, to answer your question about uh, Sean's substitution, I thought um, it was an interesting substitution. Uh, <laughs> checking out Twitter, a lot, there is a, um, a very stark division amongst uh, kind of that in- the inclusion of him into the field. Kind of in terms of how he performed, um, definitely looked like a new kid, right? trying to figure out okay hey when am i going to make my runs uh where am i going to receive the ball what position should i be in um I, this might be a topic we'll touch into later but um lots of foreshadowing in this episode um but they kind of seem like he got in places uh and there was kind of missed passes right or he got the ball and tried to do something and you know it's not what he was used to or a lot of disconnect um Kind of individually, I thought he had the soccer IQ, right? He's a soccer player. He, he knows where, what to do as a winger. <laughs> but um, can't really put too much on those few minutes that he uh, got on the field. Dustin, what were your thoughts? First of all, good move, bad move for him, him getting on the field two days after his first practice. Um, I think... I think good move um, because it you saw him even before they, they whenever he was uh, getting ready to go on you saw Lucci give him a big old hug and you know uh, really try to embrace him and and he did this like he actually uh, Shun actually went after the hug first so like it seemed like there's some good some good vibes going on there um, between the coach and the player uh, for me I think that. The, what it showed me was the the type of players that Lucci was bringing on as the match worn on, wore on. He took off uh, Hara and brought on Pepe. He took off Tessman and brought on Shun. And took off uh, Obreon and brought on Seeley. Um, those are all offensive changes. Um, and for me, what what it showed me was that I think Lucci's intent was to go after the match, but the players just couldn't, um, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't make it happen. Right. And I think that, that um, we, I mean, we already talked about maybe why, but for me, I, I think that it showed that Lucci was trying to go after the match and you bring on, you know, the Hungarian wonder kid, the Hungarians are very high on Shun. Um, and he made the national team mm-hmm. uh, for, for one of their upcoming camps. So, uh, you know, I don't think, oh, and, uh, Vargas came off and Pommy call came on. I, I missed that one. Uh, but you know, that again, still, uh, not a defensive substitution. Um, so, um, what was I saying? Oh yes. Uh, the bringing him on, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I think it was, I think it's probably a good thing for especially Shun's confidence, uh, and, and buying into the system and buying into the team and the family, right? Like that, that kind of trust and faith two days in, uh, is going to be important for, for, uh, a new, new person. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. Um, I was a little bit surprised. Well, in, in some ways I felt like he was going to come on when, when, when he was chosen to be on the bench, I was not surprised that he played. I was expecting it more to be. Sealy minutes versus you know coming in at the 66th right so i mean it's 
I am a bit surprised that that's not the move that Lucci made in the 66 man that was bringing in Sealy, especially after scoring his first goal the 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 match before. Um, so yes, he showed confidence in the new Hungarian, but at the same at the same time, right? Um, he gave limited minutes to 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 Sealy, who I think a lot of us also think has a, a ton of upside um, mm. for the for the club. So. So you're saying that you think Lucci brought him on too soon. That's correct. Way too soon. And that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, um, Shun is a signing that the club has from top down. And when I say top down, I mean from Dan Hunt all the way down to the coaching staff have been very high ever since he was first announced. Um, he's kind of been brought up nearly in nearly every weekly press conference just from people mm-hmm. asking hey when's he going to get here to them saying oh yeah a great player and um i want to say dan Hunt even said that Ch- chelsea was trying to sign him so not too sure what you yeah. want to take of that but <laughs> he's he's a player that the club has been very high on about ever since he's was announced so the him coming in kind of was already written oh yeah oh, I mean, for sure I, yeah, for sure, and I, I think it's I think it's a huge get for for FC Dallas. Um, and if you're going to convince a guy to come from Europe to here, and you know, right as he's starting to try to break into, um, you know, maybe some of the bigger teams, uh, and trying to make an impression, you 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 kind of want to reward him with with minutes and get him on the field because that's, that's not you don't want him to come here and sit. So it sounds like all of us are are actually okay with the sub. Um, and, and I, and, and I think that like Nico said, it's something that's been in the plans for quite a while. I think actually, uh, when Zanotto was on, didn't he mention, I think he said they'd been planning for two or three months, right. That they'd been working yeah. on this. So I think it was something that was you know, probably working through their whole Hungarian season, trying to get him in for the, uh, you know, once that season came to conclusion. So it's, it was great to see. I, I thought he played well. I, I saw that that soccer IQ, right? Um, game awareness. He was actually communicating. I saw him actually go back and forth with with Hollingshead a little bit about positioning and coverage. Um, I had the you know part of it was you know me sitting on the east side and he was basically parked right straight in front of me. Um, so I had a, a good opportunity to just kind of observe him play. Uh, I, I liked a lot of what I saw. I I didn't think that some of the Lack of passing to him was him making the wrong runs, wrong, the wrong runs. I think it was more decisions. It was it was quite interesting to me. To me, it seemed almost purposeful that the team decided not to include him on some of the plays. I mean, there was there were some. I think I think they treated I kind him of, like he was Johnny Nelson. Maybe yeah. I don't know. It was there. There was four, there was four or five opportunities. I think where um, I thought it was a, a fairly clear pass. Or where he where he made a really good run, um, that I think would have been actually the right pass, uh, and the player turned around and took it back, or passed to the center, or whatever. Uh, I think I remember I don't really remember two touches, one of which yeah he tried to take on three guys, which I think was kind of cool. Maybe you got it was, by two. Maybe it was a, it was a quick skill check. You, you saw a little bit. I was I mean I, I had no problem with that. Um, and then I think the other one was just like one of those, it's like a one, two, like he passed it or someone passed it to him and he passed it right back kind of thing. Right. But, um, who knows? Maybe that's the, maybe that's the player saying, Hey, you're, you're the new kid. You need to earn your, uh, earn your stripes or who knows. Right. 
That's cool. stupid. Eleven touches according you play to who scored dot com. <laughs> Only Pepe yeah. got one less at ten. Hmm. Yeah. Uh so Jonathan, I think like I think some of what you're describing may not have translated to the broadcast as I watched from home. Uh, and you, you know, w- between all of the close-ups um, of the players that are had the ball during the run of play, it was kind of hard to figure out what was going on. Uh, one point there was a, a good three second close-up of the referee's shorts uh, during the play. Like, in, anyways, uh, I get off my little soapbox here, but it was, it was ridiculous. Uh, but I guess my point <laughs> is that um, I, I saw a lot more of what Nico was was talking about of an individual player uh, doing a lot of running, but not necessarily being super productive. Um, he he was out there trying real, and he was. Put, trying to you know run and be active and and be um, raise the energy, man, raise the energy and and raise the energy. Uh, but but it definitely looked like he was to Nico's point disconnected from the rest of the team in the press and in possession. I mean, Jonathan hit exactly kind of what I was trying to foreshadow at and was not getting the service. And I man, th- there's two that. I can think of maybe like out of the five and six that Jonathan was saying is one where um, Sean's making a cutting run onto the top of the box, easily five to 10 yards of just empty space around him. O'Brien does not pass it to him, decides to continue running down the line. That could have been a goal scoring opportunity. There's one where Sean's running uh, towards the top of the box. Paxton kind of looks at him and doesn't pass it to him. Um, that was really surprising to me. It was just players not kind of, I mean, they, the, throughout the it, game, it players are always, obvious, man. <laughs> always turning their heads, right? Always looking for opportunities. And so, I mean, it, that was kind of, to me, that was the most surprising part that just, he was not getting passes to him. And that I found that super strange. But and I also Mr. kind of Mr. Cranks, if you're if you're listening or or one of our other video buddies, you know, you want to make a, a montage, you know, and throw it on Twitter. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, but I think that kind of highlights into maybe something we want to talk about regarding the second half. Um, kind of how and what we were really talking about throughout this whole game is just the kind of disconnect going from moving the ball up the field. Um, I I mean I'll. For for me, one of the biggest things that really stood out that kind of dried up the match and made it easy for Houston was how Dallas was attacking through the midfield. Um, kind of from the attacking and build-up perspective, is kind of frustrating to see Ricarte and Paxton both on the same side of the field. I mean, Acosta's job here is to kind of function as that six to protect the back line. So yeah, he's going to help in the attack when he can, but... Paxton and uh, Ricarte are going to be your kind of attacking forces. Uh, and if they're both on the same side, it's pretty easy for Houston to say, well, Dallas is attacking down this side. Uh, let's just kind of commit numbers this way. So, and you know, that doesn't really help your, your front line when they're trying to run into space and you've got both of your creative forces within five, five yards of each other, kind of just passing in between. So that was uh, kind of one of the things that, made watching the second half a little bit frustrating. It's just 
that that connection from the back to the front just was not there. Yep, and I think that we're going to have to figure out whether whether that trend continues as as play goes on. Before we talk about Minnesota, I did want to mention one last thing about this match that I I thought was interesting. Um, it looks like, and and I think. Uh, maybe this is part of a Derby uh, rivalry, maybe not. I don't know. Um, it looked like Houston kind of got into FC Dallas's head there by the end of the match, um, especially with – it just made them very frustrated because every time – like, look, the, the playbook was get in front of the FC Dallas player, put on your brakes, and fall down. And uh, the FC Dallas players were getting very frustrated, and it seemed like that might have affected – uh, at least some of the decision making towards the end of the end of the match. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed that or not. I just figured it was another cocky cock match or something like that. <laughs> I, I was waiting for Ryan to try to throw a ball at someone's head. And I, I kind of, yeah, you're right. I kind of expect that every match now. We know it's there. Well, let's let's see it. That's right. Fire the team up. Yeah, where was that? Definitely needed it this match. I think that's just all kind of part of a derby, right? You know, you also want to get into the fans and Houston being Houston and, you know, FC Dallas, to be fair, will most likely do the same thing when they're down in Houston and in Austin. So I felt like that's kind of part of the Derby. But um, in terms of just the flow, it just was not there. It really didn't help. Yeah, it was effective, whether it was on purpose or just part of the match. It definitely seemed to further... uh, disintegrate the connectivity and fluidity of the FC Dallas uh, and, attack. And I would, I would say despite the, uh, the FU ref chance that were going on uh, during the match, I actually thought it was a fairly well ref match. I think other than the, the one call at the end with the concussion protocol, which honestly I don't, I personally wasn't against um, the, the, the dead ball situation where the, the, the ref just said, Hey, I'm, I'm stopping the play versus letting it roll out for the corner. You got to do that, right? I think you've got to take head headshots very seriously. I think overall, I think the ref did a did a pretty good job of of managing the managing the match. So, as the contrarian on this podcast, do you think <laughs> it's my job? Uh, do you think teams will start taking uh, that tactically, right, uh, towards the end of games? Oh, we got to make a uh, concussion protocol situation. No, has anybody done that yet? <laughs> Uh, Houston and FC Dallas this past Saturday. No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, no, I don't think anybody's actually made a concussion protocol uh, change yet, oh, yet this year. Yeah, I not that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, obviously, I haven't watched every match <laughs> for MLS for the last uh, four weeks, but um, I, I'm not aware. I can't remember seeing anything in a, in a recap show or anything about someone actually using that, but it it may have been. Um, but I think in this case, it was just a yeah, it was a. It was a pretty pretty hard shot to the to somebody's head. Um, I have no problem with the ref blowing the blowing it dead. Obviously, as a fan, I want to see that roll out and get a corner with two minutes left of the match, right? But uh, it's I think it was still the right call for sure. All right. Um, well, let's let's go ahead and, and flip and, and look ahead to. I guess it is uh, Saturday the twelfth at eight p.m. Is, is that Saturday, right? No, that's Wednesday. 
No, that's you're you're looking at Minnesota's next match. Oh, that's not right. that's not against FC Dallas. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Well, let's look ahead to to FC Dallas's next match on the 15th against Minnesota. It is in Minnesota. Minnesota started out the season 0 and 4, uh losses to Seattle, RSL, Atlanta, sorry, uh Austin. Really weird to see the ATX still. Uh and then uh, another close one in uh, Colorado in the uh, the battle of the kit clashing. Uh, <laughs> that, did you guys watch that match? Did you see the pictures of that match? Their jerseys looked exactly the same. It was I, ridiculous. I, I didn't watch the match, but yes, I've, I saw the recap and I saw the, the pictures. Yes, it was, uh, it, was, it was a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that, that is very MLS. Anyways, um, <laughs> So Minnesota pretty much in panic mode at this point. I don't think I think New York City is one of the only other teams that's come back and made the playoffs after starting zero and four. So they've got some must wins coming up. They're playing v- Vancouver on Wednesday before they play FC Dallas on Saturday. So that maybe some tired legs too. Um, so you know, are your Nico? Do you expect? to see um, maybe some, some more defensive-minded tactics in Minnesota? I mean, I would think that um, you kind of approach it the Portland, right? I mean, FC Dallas was the sandwich game. Uh, and FC Dallas said, hey, we're, let's all attack. Uh, it's an all-attack all, all mode. Um, and I think that's kind of how you might want to approach the Minnesota game, right? You, you, you said that they're kind of in panic mode. Uh, going, uh, having a rough start to the season. I mean, there's going to be some pressure on Wednesday for them to grab a result in that regard, and then also see if they can carry it into Saturday. Um, and FC Dallas has, as we've discussed at length, their own situations that they also want to improve upon. But it, it, you would feel like, just from face value and on paper, this is a good opportunity for the club to say, "Hey, we can be a good team on the road." Um, not just FC Dallas, but all, all teams uh, within MLS struggle a bit on the road. But that's something that um, Lucci and the team have mentioned throughout the offseason. Something they want to really change is be more consistent, be a more competitive team on the road. So um, this Minnesota game in that regard is looking like a good opportunity for them to kind of change that fortune. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll see Ja'Cory Hayes get some minutes. And Callum Montgomery. Team. Oh, that's right. Johnny Nelson versus Callum Montgomery. That's a uh, corner kick he- defense and header I would love to see. <laughs> Jonathan, what are your expectations for, for Saturday? Well, first of all, I don't think that Minnesota is as bad as their record. So I've, I've, I saw the, the Seattle blowout 4-0 where uh, Minnesota actually played pretty well that first half. I think it was actually 0-0 if I remember right. Going into halftime before just an absolute banger, I think, at the beginning of the second half. Um by one of the, the Seattle players. Uh, and then the Atlanta game I saw too, and I think Minnesota played pretty well and actually started out well, I think, even against Colorado in this last match. So I think they're home. Um, I'm 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 a little bit concerned that uh, if Vancouver isn't, that FC Dallas is going to be that uh, streak breaker. You know, we're going to we're going to be the, the the team going in and, you know, <laughs> Helping Minnesota get that first that first win, uh, I could I could see that happening. I I would not be surprised though if Lucci 
um, does go in with a bit more of a, a defensive. I'm not going to say they're going to change the shape, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go in with more of a defensive mindset, right? Um, so, was your question? How do I think they're going to do? I think that. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if they got a draw. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they came back with no points. That's that's pretty sad to say, but uh, um, I mean, FC Dallas is honestly not playing that well right now, and they are going away to a team that's going to be desperate for points. I saw a quote roll across my timeline uh, from Bill Parcells. It says, you are what your record says you are. Uh, and if that's the case, then Minnesota's bad and FC Dallas is bang average. Right. So... Uh, could could be a, could be a turning point for some team, maybe maybe a a, play, a match to build on. So look forward to to seeing what happens up in Minnesota. It's always uh always always going to be interesting. Do do we know if the Wonderwall will be there in in person? No, no, we do not know. We don't know their stadium. Maybe we'll uh, talk to one of our striker friends from uh, that covers Atlanta, uh, Austin because they they actually traveled up there. So. Uh, gentlemen, anything else you want, you want to touch on before we, uh, see idea? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that the only thing too, is just to, to look at, I think that we, we should expect Lucci to make a couple of personnel changes going into the next match. Um, I, I did mention earlier on that. I think, uh, somebody probably from the show will get a chance to go out to, to practice and, and throw out some things later in the week when we have a little, a little bit more visibility into what's going to happen. Uh, so follow our Twitter. So follow our follow our Twitter. Yes. So so hopefully we'll get uh, some more uh, uh, updates throughout the week. Uh, if, you, if you're if you're listening, and then also, uh, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised to see two or three changes uh, from from the last match. Uh, Lucci often does that after uh, after a loss, and then well, I guess this was technically a tie. It just feels like a loss, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, stay tuned. Um, but I think that we're uh, we're all looking forward to you know hope, hopefully FC Dallas coming away with three points, but I, I just don't have high expectations. That's fair enough, uh, Nico. I we're we're kind of rounding things out here. I know we didn't do the the typical North Texas check in with you, uh, mainly because uh, it was another sad day. Was it is that their first home loss ever? Um, I want to say off the top of my mind, yes. So that's rather unfortunate. Yeah, not not great. Uh, and um, maybe maybe we'll do an extra long segment for you next next uh, episode. Is that fair? That works. I'll, all right. Um, all right. So that's it for us, folks. You can catch us on Twitter as at Dallas Soccer Show. Um, Jonathan or I will be at training and you can, we can check for updates there. We will uh, retweet or tweet from that, from there. So if you want to follow training, um, that is a one-stop spot, I guess at Jonathan Ross would be uh, the other spot. Jonathan Ross 12. That's right. I am, I'm, you know, I, I'm learning. I'm learning uh, for, for Jonathan Ross for Nico Mendez. I'm Dustin nation. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We said H-O-O-P-S, yeah.